hearts and minds are as if not more effective in creating change than dollars, right? So when you've got a whole crowd that wants something in the world to change, it changes more quickly than money can fund change. So what we really need in the sector is more people participating. Generally speaking, in my opinion, why are less people participating? It's not a generosity crisis, right? Canadians aren't being birthed without generosity in in 2022. That's not what's up. What's up is that there's nowhere to learn about giving. Welcome to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast, the podcast that brings you practical advice, lessons, and stories from senior leaders and thought leaders from around the world. The Strategy and Leadership Podcast is brought to you by SME Strategy, working with organizations around the world to create and implement their strategic plans. To learn more, visit smestrategy.net. And now, your host, Anthony Taylor. Hey there, folks. Welcome to today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. Today, I have the great pleasure of being with a fellow Vancouverite or BCite. And John, I don't actually even know if you're from there, but uh, you are the founder and CEO of Charitable Impact, which is such a cool organization in a space that I'm super passionate about. So I've been following what you've been working on for a while. And so I'm just stoked to have you here and and stoked to uh, hear more about the organization. So why don't you tell our listeners about who you are, what you've been up to, and we can go from there. Sure. Well, I'm super excited to be here. Thanks for having me. And I am a BCite. I'm not sure if I've heard that term before. I'm from Vancouver, born in Prince George, actually. I uh, lived there just for a minute, though, and I've been in Vancouver my whole life, other than a stint in Montreal, where I went to school at McGill and started my career in corporate finance. Today, I'm effectively a charity banker, right? And I'm really interested in helping solve problems, particularly on the donor side, mm-hmm. uh, helping people you know, get more access to giving with good support, good tools, so they can grow as a donor, become more confident, you know, in who they are and, and what they're doing when they when it comes to creating change in the world. And 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 that's the context in which I started Charitable Impact. Sweet. That's awesome. I think it's such an interesting and evolving space. And you've been at it for a long time. So what were the early stages of the journey of charitable impact? And, and what was that like as you probably had to convince some people to a certain degree about what you did, why it was important? And we'll go from there. Well, I mean, one way to start the journey is to say it's actually, you know, partly about me and my background. You know, I grew up in a in a in a charitable household. My parents really valued charitable giving. I learned all my hardcore charity knowledge from my father, who is one of the pioneers of charity law and 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 gift planning in Canada, which is a fancy word for helping people to give their money away. And so, you know, I learned a lot about charitable giving, charitable law, charitable compliance, problems in the sector, opportunities in the sector. And why that's important is because in my view, the biggest problem with charitable giving today in Canada is that there's really nowhere to learn about giving, right? Mm-hmm. So I had access to all this pretty sophisticated knowledge, lots of opportunity to learn in, in 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 situations helping people you know charity entrepreneurs you know create structures to 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 carry out the change they wanted to see and also on the donor side helping people you know give money away both tax effectively but also allocated towards projects that they that they want to create change for and in all of that you know it became super super clear that generally speaking there's nowhere for people to go to get objective support as a donor all the experience in the charitable sector, you know, from a donor's perspective, really comes from the charities who are coming towards us, asking us for money. And so, you know, when you when you think about that reality, you know, and I, as I thought about it, I said, well, look, let's start to create a scalable tool that was built for 
any Canadian who wants to create change in the world, whether you have a lot of money to give or a little bit of give, regardless of how experienced you are with giving, regardless of what causes or charities you care about. And let's create an organization focused on helping donors create the change they want to see in the world, where the tools and supports focused on the donor and helping them develop in their journey as a donor. Okay. And then going from there. Cool. I got that. So first of all, like I've got no problem hyping up charitable impact for a variety of reasons, which I will certainly as a FYI, just drop our own plug in. Right now we've got applications open for our own nonprofit program, mission-based organizations. We subsidize your strategic plan. So if there's of interest there, you're wanting to do that. That's how we give back. Uh, but John, as I hear that, it's such a, it's a marketplace. I don't want to say underserved, but really there's, I think, two key customers here that you serve. And I kind of want to ask you questions from both parts. We have our listeners, who a lot of them are CEOs, executive directors of mission-based organization that have had to move away from federal funding into getting, you know, their own, like building that charitable piece or that like, you know, their own donations for lack of a better word. So what are some of the things that those folks need to consider? And then at the same time, you have affluent families, CEOs, organizations, and leaders within them that believe in important organizations. They want to make the right decision, get the right bang for their buck, both personally and for the organization, and, and they can have big impact in their community. So I, I'm really curious on both levels. So maybe we can start with the um, the leaders of organizations that would receive impact dollars, for lack of a better term. What do they need to know about being effective in doing that? Or what are you seeing needs from donors that they can kind of match? Is my question clear? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm going to take a stab at it. I mean, <laughs> and starting on this side of the equation means I think we need to start with painting a, a little bit of what's going on in the in the in the donors in the donor sector in Canada. And, and the, the news isn't great, unfortunately. In Canada today, less people are giving than yesterday you know so there's fewer people participating as donors Num bad news number one number two those people that are giving are giving less money away right so when you look at you know for, there's different ways to measure it i won't go into detail but less people are, are are claiming tax receipts which suggests less people are giving charitable dollars away and then that's coming from a smaller and smaller concentration of people now why does this matter it matters because hearts and minds are as if not more effective in creating change than dollars, right? So when you've got a whole crowd that wants something in the world to change, it changes more quickly than money can fund change. Mm -hmm. So what we really need in the sector is more people participating. Generally speaking, in my opinion, why are less people participating? It's not a generosity crisis, right? Canadians aren't being birthed without generosity in, in 2022. That's not what's up. What's up is that there's nowhere to learn about giving. So how you take your sort of nature of generosity and connect it to an effective, confident, fun experience as a donor, that's where the problem lies. As an analogous situation, it's like saying, you know, athletes are still being born in Canada, but because they don't have as as, as good access to, to coaching and, and, and PE is less, you know, uh, present in schools and things like that, we're actually developing less athletes. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's what's going on in the charity sector. And it's a big, big problem. So when we talk to people who are running organizations, you really have to be aware that there's not very much 
benevolence literacy or charity literacy or financial literacy that's allocated towards how you create change in the world. And that's a major barrier to participation. When you don't feel confident about how to go about doing what you want to get done, the, the easiest thing is to step back towards apathy and doing nothing. And that's what we're seeing in the charity sector. And, you know, to speak very briefly about where we're at economically, when inflation strikes and, you know, maybe there's a recession looming and there's more uncertainty economically in the world, you know, that's more reason for people to sort of say, ah, well, maybe I'll sit on my my wallet a little little bit longer. So that's a downside for cause-based organizations. The upside is that there's no evidence in my experience that people aren't interested in that. In fact, there's this social wave coming you know, Gen Zs, even millennials, I'm a little bit older than that. I'm a Gen Xer. I'm 44 years old. People today, like my kids, for example, are kind of going like they're like climate change or whatever, poverty, you know, all this stuff that's going on it's front and center to them. They see it online all the time. They actually have the same anxiety about it. They are interested in helping to create change. They just don't know how to do it. So there's both a positive and a negative not to come back to plug charitable impact, but that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Because as a charity banker who understands the sector super well, I really believe I can make a meaningful contribution in getting people to to participate more, have more confidence in doing it. And then that's going to open up much more liquidity and or and funding uh, for cause-based organizations, whether they're charities and or impact-oriented investment uh, funds. Cool. I think that, you know, for our leaders to think about, because it's not just your own organization and it's not just your own organization competing for other funds with like organization. It's the entire macro trend of what's happening, people being conscious, risk averse for a variety of reasons. And again, the, to the counterpoint that you had put, it's not that they don't want to give, it's just they don't want to give wrong or they want to make sure that they have, and what did I write? The confidence and fun. They want to make it enjoyable versus stressful. It's like, oh, like, who do I need to cut this check to? Saying, hey, like, is, is if what I'm doing matters and it's something that I believe in, I'm going to contribute to it. So then the onus on the people leading these organizations is what do you need to do to be able to do that? You guys have taken it upon yourselves to build a platform to facilitate that and to support it and to like fill up a need in the system that previously didn't exist. And I think it's important as nonprofit or mission-based leaders or charity-based leaders to say, hey, what can I do to meet uh, our stakeholders in the middle and support them in that journey, whether that's through charitable impact somewhere else, or, you know, just having milk and cookies in their living rooms. Like that's the point is how can you support people with their goals? Do I have that more or less captured, John? Yeah, you, yeah, you do. And I mean, the, the one thing I'd say, and, uh, you know, as a criticism, but also as an invitation to, to, to people is, is organization, let's just talk about charities that are, or non any, any type of nonprofit structure, right? They're so focused on their own mission that shouldn't change. They're so, but then they have to fund their mission. And so it's to have empathy for the reality that there's less people giving, which mean, which translates into, it's going to be harder for you to fundraise, to raise capital. And it also translates into the cost of capital increasing, both in terms of literally the cost, but also in terms of the time that you're spending on it. I mean, you talk to the average executive director in a small to medium-sized charity in particular, where they don't have sort of full-time paid fundraisers, they're spending 60 to 80% of their time on fundraising. Two problems. One, cost of capital goes up. Number two, big problem not talked about. The joy and passion that they have for saving whatever cause they're into 
is diluted by the experience of having to constantly go out there and, you know, ask for money. Right. Mm. So, so, so it's, it's about recognizing that that's the environment we're in. So here's the brief criticism. What's happened in the past and what I refer to as the fundraising paradigm, where like everything's just, how do we get organizations money? And those organizations are driving all of that conversation with donors. Charities and nonprofit organizations haven't spent time or money on really developing the donor base, mm-hmm. right? So it's like if you're talking fisheries, like everyone's fishing and no one's thinking about the health of the ocean and and whether we're we're we're, we're overfishing and when where the new fish are coming from and whether they're having enough babies and whether those babies are surviving, right? And so that's what we need more with the empathy piece we talked about before. That's what we want. We want more people in the nonprofit and charitable space to be recognizing that they need to be spending their time educating people, not just on giving money to them, but on participating as a committed citizen who's got time, talent, and treasure, aka money, to, to, to give away. And and regardless of whether you give to that organization or not, your participation as a donor is really, really important. And we need more leaders in the sector starting there and then moving people towards the building the pathway to their door so that that time and talent and or treasure or money is allocated towards their organization. Hey, Anthony here. One of the things I don't talk too much about on the podcast is what we do at SME Strategy. So I wanted to let you know that if you and your team are thinking about getting together you know, this winter or even in the new year for strategic planning, that we'd be happy to have a conversation to see how we might be able to help your team walk through the strategic planning process and make sure that your people, your strategy, your culture are on the same page. One of the most exciting parts about the work that we do is being able to lead people through a proven process to help them get to where they want to go. If you're interested about that process, our video about it on YouTube just hit over a million views. So be sure to check that out. Let us know what you think. Uh, But most importantly, I wanted to let you know that if you are looking for somebody to partner with your team to support everybody in getting aligned, moving forward towards a clear set of goals and objectives, and really making sure that you have the foundations for that next stage of growth, that we can partner with you to do that. Whether that's through an offsite strategic planning session or, you know, follow up support services to keep you accountable, to help your team grow and develop, or really to lead a full transformation. So if you're interested, check out smestrategy.net. You can check out our about page, our services page. It'll tell you more about how we do things. And I'd be happy to have a conversation with you to see if we're a good fit to help. Thanks so much. I appreciate you listening to the podcast. And now let's get back into the episode. That's fascinating. I think it's really cool. I mean, it's like so much to consider outside of yourself. And like, just like there's donor fatigue, there's like asking people for money fatigue and it's exhausting on both sides. And ultimately you're, you forget about the why there's like so much of like, Hey, I need to run the organization that you're like, and that's why it talks about impact, like the money that you're having those impacts, the, you know, 60% of an ED's time or, you know, how much money you're paying for your buck for whatever reason, it means you have less impact, which you're moving. So if you looked at it as a for-profit business, which I, I mean, I think nonprofits should run more like for-profits and I think for-profits should run more like nonprofits. And you're saying, Hey, like, what are the widget? What's the widget that I'm trying to produce? How do I maximize that? And how do I build my system uh, to make that better? So I, I, first of all, fascinating to talk about it for a really long time. I do want to ask you, (laughs) 
experience as a CEO. What's it been like for you driving an organization in this space where you are choosing to be a steward in an arguably stewardless place, and then you have to lead people with that same mission internally? Well, interestingly, you know, the answer to that question is my experience is that I confront what we just talked about every day of the week, right? So let me give you an example. I, I think we're a fun and cool organization. We've got a great culture at Charitable Impact. We've got a lot of very talented people. Attracting people to work for an organization like ours that's very, very clearly mission-driven, okay, is not hard, then they get in the organization, though, and they're wonderful people with huge amounts of talents in, let's say, engineering or, or design or customer experience or, you know, finance, accounting, all the different types of things that are in organization, like in your organizations, right? But they don't have the charity literacy. Mm-hmm. So they have this generosity. They have this want to create change, but they don't know anything about uh, charity sector. They don't, for example, know the difference between a nonprofit and a registered charity. They don't know that There's three different types of registered charities. I mean, just to choose one example, they don't know what the tax receipt means and how economically efficient that is. They so so what you have to do in in our organization, which has been a real struggle, but also a a gratifying experience, is 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 spend time educating you know your own team members on this these problems that the organization is working on. Not just to say like this is what charitable impact's working on, but also so that they can get their own ideas about why it's important and understand some of the foundational base so that their own talents can be brought to bear in the organization. Said differently, more succinctly, we have to train our own people who join Charitable Impact in the same way we have to train our customer base. And it Mm -hmm. took me too long to learn that. But once I really figured that out, it was a really, really important lesson. Uh, and it makes us more efficient because if we can't train our own team members, how is it ever going to work with the with the public? As a result, we start to eat our own dog food more, which is sort of a product technology saying for you know using your own product, understanding your own problems better. And as a result, our organization is getting more effective at producing meaningful content, meaningful user experience, meaningful product, and 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 solving problems. And it's showing because you know we've now done you know, close to $1.2 billion of charitable giving through Charitable Impact in Canada alone. And over half of that money has left the organization to go out to, you know, create impact on the ground with other organizations. So it is working, but it's a slow slog. And it really does relate to this big overarching problem that not enough people are addressing in the sector, which is that there's nowhere to learn about giving. Mm. Got that. (laughs) As, as the, I mean, yeah, that's clear to me. Um, going back to the experience of, of driving that education and that aha where you said, hey, I need people to understand, you know, I need like the meta pieces. I need to under, put our employees in the same position as our people. How did you operationalize that? Did you do it through your onboarding? Did you do it through your, you know, mission values? Do you do it like regularly as a cadence? And, and I think it's also important because there's a lot of processes you can operationalize in terms of learning, even for the people trying to educate within your system. But how did you do it? Yeah, well, first of all, it's to it's it starts with failure, right? That's why as entrepreneurs, you know, talk about failure all the time. You know, when you kind of recognize that, geez, like we're producing, all these super talented people are producing some things that we're not, you know, we're not always super aligned to what, what we want to see. And 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 instead of blaming them, you you blame yourself as the entrepreneur. That's what I think good leaders do, right? So first it was me kind of going like, man, are we hiring the wrong people or is, is it my fault? And it was clearly my fault. We were always hiring the right people. We weren't giving them enough direction. So then 
we started incorporating things. So like our onboarding process now is like sort of a two week process and it's, it's really thoughtful and people, you know, it's also tiring and exhausting for new people because they're drinking a bit from a fire hose, right. Which you also have to learn from, but you know, and it's, it's structured that way. And then operationalizing more, you know, upfront context setting, right. So people can really understand the, the root cause of the problems that this little you know content piece or this little product piece is trying to solve because all of those small pieces are contributing towards the, the the greater the greater purpose of the organization and the greater core right and so you know we've adopted outside things for example recently to talk about some boring stuff but that's really critically important like we've adopted you know some scale up methodology and and one trade one page strategic plan methodology and, and meeting cadences that are really focused on you know, constantly having conversations, short conversations between leaders to make sure people know what's going on and to give someone like me, who's more sort of, you know, vision and mission guy to sort of hear about that. So I can go, oh, those three things are awesome. Keep going. This one thing over here, I'd like to come in and maybe course correct on a little bit. And it's showing. Cool. No, I, I think that's awesome. Like putting that system in place, recognizing and, and, you know, if we take it outside of this specific process is as the CEO, as the leader, you need to recognize where the gaps are. And if you don't recognize the gaps are and you aren't interested in solving it because you could have just said, Oh yeah, no, it is their fault. We do enough because I say we do enough. And he said, actually reflecting, are we doing enough? And I think challenging your own assumptions is one of those critical pieces for any organization to move forward. And you're not a small organization either. So. I know that you have gone through your growing pains in this, and I just really want to highlight that every all of our listeners are somewhere in that growing pain piece. And I think John really shares some golds about how you can reflect and say, hey, are we doing enough for our organization to accomplish what we want to accomplish? Yeah, that's a really good point. The last thing I didn't say is it's also about like, you know, confronting, especially as you grow, what you as the leader are, are, are uniquely capable of doing, right? And in my case, once you sort of figure out how to, you know, bring good people in, you know, I've got a strong leadership team. I've got a, a good a C, a COO that I really enjoy working with, right? And and then saying, okay, well, look, if you can handle the operations, let me be the charity banker. Let me be the philanthropic advisor. Let me be the guy who sort of comes in and provides solutions, not in terms of developing the solution, but says, here's where we need to go, you know, with the donor advised fund or with, you know, search and discovery or with, you know, our charitable investment account or all these different components of what charitable impact is, because I'm uniquely, you know, knowledgeable, quite frankly, about, you know, the charitable space and, 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 and have vision for it. I'm not a particularly good, you know, engineer, because I'm not one. Right. So, so not to state the obvious, but as you grow, you really got to figure out how to, what you want to focus your time on. And I've learned those lessons. The more I'm focused on what I'm uniquely good at, the better the organization flows and the more joy team members have because they're then contributing what they're best at. And that's where things start to sing and operational efficiency results. Awesome. I, I can't remember who it was, and it might have been you saying, I'm only going to do one of two things, things that I'm uniquely capable of and passionate about, or nothing else, or I'm going to say no to it. And I saw somebody post that on LinkedIn, so it, it sounds like that. John, as we finish up here, I really appreciate everything you shared, not only about the kind of the landscape of charitable giving in Canada specifically, but obviously, like I assert, it applies on a lot of places, um, but also your own experiences as a CEO and what you're continually to build on so that you can bring forward this mission. Uh, where can people learn about charitable impact? Where can they connect with you and just, you know, do the thing? 
Yeah, I mean, we're on. Thank you so much, man. We're we're online, charitableimpact.com. We're on social media. We're in LinkedIn and Twitter, you know, Facebook, et cetera. Go find us there at We Are Charitable. We exist to help people create the change they want to see in the world. So what we want people to hear is that like, in the same way I need to focus on what I'm good at, we want, as a CEO, we want donors to focus on what they're uniquely you know, good at. And generally speaking, what that is, is knowing what they care about changing in the world. You know, is it poverty or is it, you know, advancing education, for example, right? Oh, it's advancing education. And in that it's, it's, it's youth and it's focused on youth in my community, not in other communities or internationally focusing on that, doing your research. What are the good organizations? That's where donors should be. All the stuff with like, you know, how do I get my donations done? Where are my tax receipts being managed? All that kind of administrative component of charitable impact. We don't think donors should be focused on at all. We want to educate them about it, but we don't think they should be spending their time there, right? So our goal at Charitable Impact is to combine with the donor, work with them like a charity bank, and 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 just help them focus on and do what they are uniquely capable of achieving and interested in changing in the world. And 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 the, the cool part is that I want people to believe me on, and a bunch of your, your listeners will know this already, is that it's actually fun. Right? Char- charity isn't this sort of like, oh, crap, like, you know, darn thing. It's this like, wow, like I'm actually engaged in something that I care about. And I'm m- making a meaningful dent with my own time and my own talents and my own treasure and my own money, right? And that's what we need to cause people to remember and reconsider. And that's who Charitable Impact really is at its at its heart. And um, we, we're, we're having a, a, a lot of fun doing it. That's awesome. Well, one of the things I, I take away from that is I look at the future. And thank you, John, to everybody, our uh, John Bromley, who is the founder and CEO of Charitable Impact. So thank you for being here. Uh, what I'm taking away from that is it's really the evolution of charitable giving. And I kind of like pictured the like Maslow hierarchy of needs is like there's like the very base stuff, which you're talking about. And as charitable giving evolves for individuals and families, you know, it result uh, needs or the prerequisite is to get to that higher level of getting, you know, what do you really want to get out of your charitable impact for lack of a better word and taking the steps to make it happen. The steps are not going to be just, you know, doing the same thing. There has to be its own reflection where, what do I need to be doing as a donor to be able to, you know, give my best and give the best to organizations? And then if you're an organization, you know, how can you empower your people and your key stakeholders of really like understanding the depth and breadth of how they can contribute so that we can make charitable giving fun again? So John, thank you for sharing today, personal and professional pleasure. And I appreciate you uh, being on today's show. Thanks so much for having me. Folks, my name is Anthony Taylor. This has been the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. It's perfect at the end of the year where people are thinking about their charitable giving that you do that. Be generous with your time. Be generous with your heart and uh, help everybody around you where it's appropriate to do so. Once again, thanks for being here on today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. My name is Anthony Taylor. See you next time. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. We post twice a week, so you can count on us for your weekly source of content to help you grow and expand as a leader. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please consider giving us a review. We read every single one, and it helps us make a better show for you, the listener. 
Also, it helps more people find the show, which means we can help as many people as possible. We appreciate you listening and following along, and we hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. And as Anthony says, until next time.